0: It's the 20th anniversary of the september 11th attacks on our nation and i want to take a moment before this episode starts to remember and reflect on the events the lives lost in new york pennsylvania and virginia and those forever changed as a result let's try and be more respectful and empathetic toward one another like we were in the days immediately following those terrorist attacks hello and welcome to the south carolina lead I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on September 10th, 2021 from Houston, Texas. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. And yes, everything is bigger here. This episode features a look at the continued debate between Columbia and Washington, especially now that President Joe Biden has rolled out new vaccination mandates. We look at local mask mandates taking effect and why DHEC isn't doing more to put one in place while we wait another Supreme Court ruling on the issue. We have a meaty medical section for you and learn more about the new variants and the struggles frontline professionals continue to deal with daily amid a surging Delta variant and low vaccination rates. These stories and much more in today's podcast. Additionally, as always, we want to hear your stories, so we set up a voicemail box to hear from you all about your life during these difficult times. Leave us a one two three minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169 um you can tell us what's going on i have a funny story i was trying to recite my phone number for an it help desk worker the other day and i couldn't remember my own phone number but i could remember the leads phone number i started launching into it i was like why do i know 563 well you probably know this number by heart now too so dial it on your phone if you're driving do it when the car is stationary okay get off that phone if you're driving But give us a call, 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and just what's going on with you and yours. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is widespread, ongoing, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 11,149 total deaths. And currently, there are 784,052 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of September 10th at 4 p.m. And here's some more perspective for you when we talk about these case numbers and these deaths, unfortunately. Over the Labor Day weekend, DHEC confirmed 13,159 new cases and 164 deaths. That's just over the Labor Day weekend, folks. There are, of course, worries that we'll see more data points, which represent people after all, and how they'll continue to increase in the coming weeks as a result of that holiday weekend, football season, and more. Again... You need to be vaccinating, masking, and social distancing due to the increased Delta variant spread and transmission of this, according to health officials. A percent positive is 12%. Currently, 2,517 COVID-19 patients are hospitalized across the state. 586 are in intensive care, and 404 people are on ventilators. Now, hospitalizations are up around 5% from last week, while ICU and ventilator use is up 7% week over week. These numbers continue to increase every time we report them. And now for a new data point that we'll be regularly reporting, unfortunately. According to the South Carolina Children's Hospital Collaborative, 32 children are hospitalized with COVID-19, 14 are in intensive care, and 11 are on ventilators. All of them are unvaccinated. As of right now, 49.1% of eligible South Carolinians have been fully vaccinated. Let's see how that starts to shift following President Biden's announcement on Thursday, more on that in a second. President Joe Biden announced his plan to require vaccines for 100 million people or, for fraction freaks out there, two-thirds of American workers at a time of record surge, maxed out intensive care units, and rising cases among the unvaccinated. The president has previously resisted issuing a vaccine mandate, but the record-breaking surge has forced
1: his hand, he said. While the vaccines provide strong protection for the vaccinated, we read about and hear about and we see the stories of hospitalized people, people on their deathbeds, among the unvaccinated over the past few weeks. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And it's caused by the fact that despite America having unprecedented and successful vaccination program, despite the fact that for almost five months, free vaccines have been available in 80,000 different locations, we still have nearly 80 million Americans. Who have failed to get the shot. And to make matters worse, there are elected officials actively working to undermine the fight against COVID-19. Instead of encouraging people to get vaccinated and mask up, they're ordering mobile morgues for the unvaccinated dying from COVID in their communities. This is totally unacceptable.
0: The Business Roundtable and the American Medical Association support the president's plan to require those companies with 100 or more workers to mandate vaccinations or require them to be tested weekly. This move would be enforced by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, also known as OSHA. Biden is also requiring health care workers at facilities that receive federal Medicare and Medicaid reimbursements to be vaccinated, federal employees as well. Republican leadership in South Carolina and elsewhere, however, were not quite so thrilled about these moves, though legal precedent exists for them. Governor Henry McMaster got more than 4,000 retweets on his tweet thread that said, quote, The American dream has turned into a nightmare under President Biden and the radical Democrats. They have declared war against capitalism, thumbed their noses at the Constitution, and empowered our enemies abroad rest assured, we will fight them to the gates of hell to protect the liberty and livelihood of every South Carolinian. South Carolina Attorney General Alan Wilson said that his staff is reviewing the mandate. Rona McDaniel is the chairwoman of the Republican National Committee and says she is pro-vaccine but anti-mandate, and her organization will be suing the Biden administration over what she calls this unconstitutional mandate. On Friday, during a visit to Brooklyn Middle School in Washington, D.C., Biden criticized Republican governors who were accusing him of federal overreach.
1: Have at it. Look, I am so disappointed that uh, particularly some uh, Republican governors have been so cavalier with the health of these kids, so cavalier with the health of their communities. This is — this is — we're playing for real here. This isn't a game, and I don't know of any scientist out there in this field, but doesn't think it makes considerable sense to do the six things I've suggested.
0: Biden also announced Thursday that he'd be doubling the number of military health teams deployed to hospitals around the country and increasing the average weekly pace of shipments of monoclonal antibody treatments by another 50% this month. Monoclonal antibody treatments have been shown to reduce the risk of hospitalization by up to 70% for unvaccinated people at risk of developing severe disease. Ivermectin, not so much. <laughs> now, we're still waiting on the state Supreme Court's ruling on the mask mandate for schools in South Carolina. But despite the most recent ruling against the city of Columbia's mandate for K-12 schools in the city, the city council this week approved an emergency mask mandate for the entire city, which also includes schools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. Follow me. Keep following me. Now, Mayor Steve Benjamin said, quote, we're going to be very careful as to how we craft it to comport with the Supreme Court's order as it relates to schools. The city will use fire department officials to enforce the ordinance, which is separate from any school official or teacher, so as to get around the budget proviso language that prohibits state funds from being expended to enforce a mask mandate. The citywide mandate follows recent action by neighboring West Columbia and Casey. But what about DHEC and all this? Some are wondering why DHEC doesn't use its powers to implement a mask mandate in schools. DHEC's director, Dr. Edward Simmer, fielded this question during the agency's board meeting on Thursday, September 9th.
2: As a follow-up, if I may, there a lot of the emails that the board has received collectively and individually have suggested that DHEC uh, use its power or authority to impose a mask mandate in the schools. Can you speak to that uh, as well? I can. Um, as you
3: know, we do have that authority. Um, however, I think there are some challenges practically to using it. Um, certainly trying to do a statewide order, I think would be very, very difficult at best, um, because the situation in every school district is different and trying to write one order that would fit every school district, uh, would be, I think next to impossible because so I've thought about that thought about, well, how would I write that order? Talk with our team. We don't think there's a good way to do a statewide order that really fits every school district. Um, the second challenge, of course, is enforcement. Um, I think the proviso is pretty clear. Proviso 108 is very clear that we cannot use school district personnel or anyone funded with state funds to enforce uh, a requirement to wear masks, uh, which then comes to the question, well, who would? Because obviously who's mostly watching the children are the teachers, the principals, and other people in the schools, all of whom are funded with state funds. Um, so the the, the ch- second challenge becomes how do you enforce an order? I don't believe it's appropriate to write an order that you cannot enforce. Um, so I think those are two major barriers that we have right now to doing any kind of statewide order. Uh, you know, is it possible we could do a, a more localized order? I think it's possible. We've not had a request for that at this point, um, but that you know that's something we'd have to visit at that time. Uh, whether a more localized order. You know, for a specific school district or even a specific school would have merit, but I think we'd still come down to the enforcement issue, and and I still don't know how we would enforce even a more localized order. That's that's where we stand. Yes, we have the authority, but from a practical standpoint, if you can't if we can't enforce the order, uh, then it's really not a good idea. I don't think to issue one.
0: So, really summing up the issue at play there. Now, as of our recording, we are still waiting on a ruling from the state Supreme Court about another case it heard dealing with the same budget proviso being challenged by Richland 2 School District. So stay tuned, folks. So we just heard about President Biden's order to companies that employ 100 or more people to have their workforces vaccinated or tested weekly. Some may think that this will have dire consequences for some firms or result in problems. But what happened when Delta Airlines two weeks ago announced that unvaccinated employees would have to pay a $200 monthly surcharge? What do you think happened? Anyone? Say it out loud. Even by yourself, say it out loud. Delta saw a jump in vaccination rates. That's what happened from 74% to 78%. Did you have that answer? MarketWatch reports that Dr. Harry Ting, he's the senior vice president and chief health officer at Delta, said that nearly 20% of the remaining 20,000 workers without shots have now started the vaccination process, saying quote, which I think is a huge number in terms of shifting that group that's most reluctant. Furthermore, he added that the company with 80,000 employees hasn't seen any worker turnover as a result. So money, the great motivator. Also, the vaccine has been proven to save your life, whereas catching COVID? I'm rolling the dice right there. Speaking of the aerospace industry, the Wall Street Journal reports that deliveries of Boeing's 787 Dreamliner, which is exclusively built at its North Charleston plant, will likely remain halted until at least late October, as a plane maker has been unable to persuade air safety regulators to approve its proposal to inspect the aircraft. This according to people familiar with the matter. This impasse has kept Boeing from moving more than $25 billion worth of Dreamliners. Boeing said it had about 100 of the jets in its inventory awaiting delivery at the end of June. Citing the record-breaking surge, Prisma Health has suspended elective surgeries at its upstate hospitals until at least September 17th. Outpatient surgeries will still take place, however, according to the hospital. Now, the hospital system says that this is being done to free up team members to assist with the surge facing the facilities. When Prisma, the largest hospital system in the state, made that announcement Wednesday, it had 382 patients hospitalized with COVID in the upstate and 184 in the Midlands. More than 90% of all those patients, however, are unvaccinated. From the upstate to Washington, during the White House COVID response team meeting Friday, CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky cited a new study on the benefits of vaccinations that was published in the Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. Today, we will publish a study in the MMWR that looks at COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations, and deaths in 13 states and offers further evidence of the power of vaccination. In this study, over 600,000 COVID-19 cases from April through mid-July were evaluated and linked to vaccination status. Looking at cases over the past two months when the Delta variant was the predominant variant circulating in this country, those who were unvaccinated were about four and a half times more likely to get COVID-19, over 10 times more likely to be hospitalized, and 11 times more likely to die from the disease. As the president reiterated yesterday, and as we have shown study after study, vaccination works. Dr. Anthony Fauci gave a breakdown on new variants of the virus, including the Mu variant, but he leads off by recapping how the Delta variant became the
4: predominant mutation. This variant has become extraordinary in its ability to dominate among the isolates in the United States and worldwide. Note that in June, just a few months ago, It comprised about 13% of the isolates, whereas now it is about 99% of the isolates. This becomes relevant when one thinks in terms of other variants that are becoming of interest to people. I refer specifically to the Mu variant, the B.1.621, and the C.1.2, which is yet to get a Greek letter determination. Let's take a look at the Mu variant first. It was identified in December of 2020. It was detected first in South America, and it accounts for a large proportion of the isolates, for example, in Colombia. The reason it was brought to attention, it had a number of mutations that were of interest. But when you look at the effect of antibodies against these mutations, it is not a matter of alarm in that although it diminishes somewhat the protection, it falls well within the reign of delta and beta. But importantly, only 0.5% of the isolates in the United States are mu. And if you look at the lower right, you can see how delta in blue dominates over alpha in orange and completely dominates over mu in green. Again, the C.1.2 variant first noted in South Africa, is not seen at all yet in the United States. So bottom line on variant talk, the prevalence
0: of the mu variant is very low, and the C.1.2 variant is still not here yet. And that's because Delta is just that dominant, folks. Of course, the variants will continue to be monitored by health officials, but no need to start stressing on other variants right now. Now, I want to share some of the most shocking things I've heard this week. We'll start with what Dr. Celine Gounder, an infectious disease specialist and epidemiologist at NYU's Grossman School of Medicine, and what she told Stephanie Tsai on the PBS NewsHour on September 6.
2: If you have been vaccinated, your chances of ending up in the hospital or dying from COVID are really minimal. However, they're not perfect. And so it was to be expected we would see breakthrough infections, especially in places where we're seeing a lot of community transmission of the virus. In South Carolina, for example, which has some of the highest rates of transmission in the country, if you're vaccinated, your risk of getting COVID are equivalent to somebody who is not vaccinated here in New York state. And that is simply because there is so much more virus circulating right now in South Carolina that even with the protection of the vaccine, you could still get infected.
0: So from one shocking data point to another, we go to a local physician's story from the front line about the people behind that data. Roper St. Francis infectious disease physician Dr. Kent Stock recently spoke about life inside the intensive care unit at the Charleston Hospital, where he has treated more than 3,000 COVID patients during the pandemic. He spoke in a video posted on the hospital's Facebook page, and I will warn you that it is quite emotional and that I applaud the hospital for letting him be so raw and vulnerable with his story.
5: When you've been in the killing fields, you know, you, you do what you can to survive. Because emotionally, you know, if each and every day you rise and fall with Windsor and losses, you can't function. You know, when I was a little kid, I was, you know, 10 years old in 1975, and you see these Vietnam guys. And you had no idea what they went through, the tragedy. Many of them questioning the cause. You know, was this a worthy cause? Are we truly fighting for the well being of our country? Are we causing harm? You know, are we using our military strength to hurt people unnecessarily? And I never understood that as a kid, and I always thought it was a sign of weakness and, and you know, get over it. That, because that's the generation that my parents were, you know, I mean, they were so used to tragedy from losing children at a young age, the Depression, World War I, the Korean War. It was just every day, this is part of your life. Well, my generation doesn't know that. I've never served or had to serve in the military, so I don't know what it's like to have a gun pointed at my head. But I do know what death and destruction looks like. And, you know, I, I went into infectious diseases because of HIV and AIDS, and I saw that. It was horrible, and, and good people dying alone. And I knew I needed to help, and we did. You know, I mean, it's a disease that you don't have to be ashamed about it anymore. Um, COVID, unfortunately, is fraught with so much politics that people just blind themselves to the reality of what's going on. When you see every day on CNN, 640,000 people have died, people just dismiss it. They, they rationalize it away. They, they do what i do every day to get through the day and we lose a little of our We lose a little of our humanity
0: yeah there's really not much to say after that except thanks to dr stock and all those fighting on the front lines day in and day out Help them out by doing what officials have been telling us for months now. Vaccinate, wear your mask, socially distance, and for God's sakes, be respectful to one another. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We're talking about life during the pandemic and wanna hear your stories as well. Talk about how you're handling things, if you've contracted COVID-19, if you had a breakthrough case, if your kids are quarantining from school, if you're stuck at home after a quarantine from work, if you're trying to get someone convinced to get vaccinated or you're still on the fence about it, let us know, 803-563-7169. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, a lot of options. You got options. AT, again, like I said, the top of the podcast, this podcast is out on September 11th, the 20th anniversary of the September 11th attacks. Uh, So we did call out, we put a call out for friends of the pod listening to send us some voicemails about their memories of that day, how they experienced that day. Uh, Just because like I said, it's that communal trauma that we all experienced 20 years ago today, we're still dealing with every time we we mark this anniversary. So that being said, I think you said we did get a, a voicemail from somebody.
6: We got more than a voicemail. We had uh, an above and beyond leader mm-hmm. going to, to really uh, do their best for this. And, and I really appreciate uh, everything she's done. So uh, without uh, further ado, here's an a audio message we've got. Oh, very good.
2: My recollections of 9-11 are um, I was living in upper Manhattan and working in Soho, which is about 11 miles from where I lived. I had um, New York One, the local TV station on, uh, listening to it while I was getting ready for work, like I did every day. And uh, I actually had a morning meeting uptown that day, so I was getting ready for work a little bit later than usual and um, was um, blow drying my hair, I think, when um, I learned that the um, first plane hit the tower, and I couldn't understand what was going on. I thought it must have been pilot error. How in the world could somebody be so stupid to run straight into that building? I mean, it's, it's pretty big. It's pretty obvious that it's there. I, I literally thought the guy just, like, wasn't paying attention to the road. Um, afterwards, when it was clear that the terrorists did it, I still couldn't really. There was cognitive disson- dissonance. I couldn't really understand how somebody could hate us so much. But it just so happened that time of the year, Britney Spears' face was plastered all over the buses and the billboards and the subways. Her like cheesecake, scantily clad personages were all over. And, um, you know, she just sort of represented to me this, as far as I could tell, what those people um, might hate about America because she just sort of was flaunting her female sexuality all over New York. And so I'll always associate, like, you know, half-naked Britney Spears with 9-11. Because to me, you know, I I didn't necessarily like those posters either, but um, I do think that, you know, if you had to latch onto something, in the heat of the moment to try and explain what they really wanted to destroy about us. It it was that, that freedom.
0: Laura, thank you for sharing your story. Um, that's, that's really interesting to hear about your time in New York and of course that corresponding with that horrible day. Um, also interesting to kind of make that Britney Spears connection, you know, again, that's something, you know, attacking (laughs) those Western values, which we hold so dear, which includes pop culture, you know, that's something that of, of course was under threat and under attack that day as well. So you know, and now, now we kind of full circle with Britney Spears, you know, she's getting her own independence <laughs> soon enough. I know that's free. Qu- Britney on the 20th segue, anniversary. Yeah. yeah, weird. But um, AT, stick with New York and these 9-11 stories, we want to share ours. And uh, we were talking before this about, you know, your experiences for that day and mm-hmm. just what you were doing. And, and since you grew up in New Jersey during this time, especially just how difficult it was and how challenging
6: it was. So tell us about some of the experiences you had that day. Yeah, when, when growing up, I grew up in North Jersey, which is essentially a suburb of New York City. Mm-hmm. Okay, so everyone in my town, their parents worked in the city. And so I remember it was like eighth grade or something like that. And we were sitting around and then teachers would start like uh, coming into the classrooms and grabbing kids. And we didn't really know what was going on. And then you'd start to see people, you know, crying and we then we heard a plane hit one of the World Trade Centers. Wow. And we and, and Laura reminded me that when we first heard that everyone thought it was like a, uh, a personal plane had flown into the side of the of the building, you know, mm-hmm. and then uh, they announced that we were going to go home early from school. And we had no idea what was going on. And then we got home. Everyone got on AOL, instant messenger. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, we just turned on. Everyone was watching the news. And we were all watching as as the second plane hit. And um, it was a lot to handle. We didn't quite understand. And when I say our town was close to New York City, there's one part. I remember this. When on the bus home, there was one hill that you could see really far. And it was east towards New York. And you could always on nice days, you could see the skyline. Mm -hmm. And when you when we looked that way that day that you could see the smoke coming up and we had no clue what was going on. But it turned out that uh, uh, a bunch of my friends, parents, they worked around there and a few of my friends, parents died. Mm -hmm. And I remember anyone that had ever met my family or anything was calling our house to make sure my dad, who worked in New York City, was alive mm-hmm. and uh I, a bit traumatizing we were, in some way right there <laughs> they were like hey you probably don't remember me is your dad alive and so <laughs> it, it's a little weird and because um, your dad well, did I have a know. traumatic day as well in the city oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah i mean it, we there were no cell phones he he couldn't call me the subways were stopped he got home late so i didn't know till he got home if he was alive or not mm-hmm. um but uh, that that's really my story. I, it, well, it's, it's, it's and so, he saw the plane, one of the planes. Oh, right. he saw some planes. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a lot. It's big time stuff, mm-hmm. especially for people that I mean, I had a friend who thought her dad was dead mm-hmm. because uh, he was supposed to be working in the city around the the World Trade Center and she hadn't heard from him. And then it turned out he was across in Jersey city. He never made it in, Oof. but he probably would have died if he went. So it, yeah. it's a lot of like weird serendipity like that, but uh, it's very sad, very sad day. Very, mm-hmm. very weird day that makes you grow up. Uh, how yeah. was, how, how, what do you remember of it, Kevin?
0: Um, we were, I was a sophomore in high school in DC at the time. And um, cause we, you know, we live in Maryland, but we you know drove in like 45 minutes to to school every day. And we were actually, went to a private school, pri- private Catholic school. We were actually in church. We had a school-wide mass that day. Um, and like you said, too, I don't know if you mentioned, but we, we talked about this before, but we're just remembering how beautiful that day was, too. It it's, was, it's, it was it's always so nice day. It's always yeah, so crazy terrifying nice day. when you have those bluebird sky days, and it's just so pretty mm-hmm. outside in the fall, and you just think, it just kind of reminds you of 9-11 a little bit, and you're like, oh, God, it's going to be another oh, horrible day. It's always,
6: yeah, this is you a know, day it's like just a trick, like that. You know, yeah. it's
0: so beautiful, a fall day. And so I guess I was what 15 or so and you know at the end of mass our you know the the head of the school came on was kind of just I was zoned out I wasn't really paying attention and he was just talking about how this day is going to live in infamy and being compared to, uh, to the Pearl Harbor attacks and I was just kind of confused about what they were talking about because we were in mass it's not like we had our, our cell phones we had cell phones but they weren't Smartphones, right? And they were all down no. anyway, so you weren't getting texts. Not that anyone texted <laughs> yeah. anyone, because that cost money. You weren't texting either, so you got uh, a
6: set amount of texts a, a, a month.
0: <laughs> yeah. So they, they, I guess they mentioned that there was an attack on the Pentagon, and of course, like you, like you know, kids that went to my school, parents worked at the Pentagon too. They worked in D.C. downtown, oh, yeah. any number of places that could have been potentially targeted, like the Capitol, that was originally thwarted, that was thwarted because of United uh, you know, ninety three that went down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. So. Uh, there was that going on. So me and my brothers, were, we still went to class. It's kind of interesting to hear how you went home before the second plane hit because we were kind of mm-hmm. like in a lockdown situation where then they wanted your parents to come pick you up, essentially.
2: Mm, I think yeah. we
0: drove. We always get my dad to kind of retell the story. But I think we might have got dropped off or, or drove in and he had to come pick us up. He was downtown. He also works like in the, the D.C. area, too. But he was already downtown and he actually took the train back to come pick us up even though the trains were working, he said they were completely empty, I guess, because people probably thought that they were going to be targeted too in some way. You didn't know what was going <laughs> on that day. Anything was a threat. Yeah, um, we thought we
6: thought a plane might hit our bus on the drive home. Like we <laughs> I mean, didn't, we yeah. really didn't know what was going on. So I went to
0: I went back to class, but we didn't have a TV. So we listened to it on WTOP, which is the radio station in DC that gives you the news and the traffic and the weather. But it was just wall to wall coverage and uh, ended up going to lunch at one point, And then there was, you know, we had like a, another prayer lunch and the kids were crying and then we had we got in touch with my father and he came to pick us up and we just sat in traffic on the way home listening to it and then just glued to the TV for the rest of the day. And, mm-hmm. um, I just remember one time a couple weeks later was coming back from a cross country meet in Virginia and we were coming into the DC area and we just drove past the Pentagon and that the, the part that was attacked, the part that was hit, you could see from the highway and just, you know, you had the big American flag there and the, the giant gaping mm-hmm. hole there too. And it was just, it was disturbing to see, but it was, yeah, it was, it was a horrible day.
6: I hate celebrating every year. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. I, celebrating, I, I, memorializing, I should say. I remember years and years later, even it was such a mess down there mm-hmm. that before they made the, um, the monuments down there, yeah. um, when they were still just cle- it took them years and years to clean it up. And e- when we would go into the city on the path into Penn station, it goes by, it goes by World Trade Center. And there would be little holes of light that you could see through with them for years, Mm -hmm. cleaning up, cleaning up, cleaning up, always. It never, it it took like 10 years for them to finish it. It was crazy. And then all the problems associated with that, the people that Mm -hmm. were on that site and all that. So,
0: yep uh, a miserable day for sure a miserable
6: day a lot a lot i mean from from uh, afghanistan ending to britney finally getting freed to yeah. 20 years of nine eleven, like a yeah. lot of this early 2000s history boiling back up.
0: yeah and it, me. i mean it really did it did force us to grow up really quick things changed immediately yeah. i mean it was just it was, you know you, we love looking back at the 90s and all that kind of carefree attitude but then you know after nine eleven, things just changed and it's still it's still the same so it's changes forever Yep. Anyway, but, uh, thanks <laughs> not, for talking to me yeah, about it. Not, yeah, such a, not such a pleasant wind down, but again, something important to talk about. I think, especially since this podcast does come out and I love it, and and it is that community, that communal experience that we all had. If you were alive during that time, and something mm-hmm. to talk about. So, uh, if you need someone to talk to, reach out and talk to someone, folks. You can always leave us a message too. Uh, but if you're going through something else, always try and find someone else to deal with that with. You're not alone out there, especially when you listen to the lead and give us a call at 803-563-7169 and tell us what's going on with you you can also leave us a review on iTunes and you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org and don't forget to support your local newspapers for the South Carolina lead I'm Gavin Jackson be well South Carolina oh my god (laughs) a couple tweaks
4: oh my god (laughs) 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 I'm trying to get a screen grab of you.